Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to ask you, why are you here today? Why are you here? God said to be here. Am I making too much noise? You know, I was I was preparing for this and the Lord was saying, Why why do we why do you do what you do? Is it is it for is it out of obligation? Do I do this out of obligation? Thank you. Do I do it out of obligation? I would say no. Do I do it for information? No, no answer is wrong, but I, I think it's important that we understand that why we're here is for impartations from the Spirit, for, and this is the word that I feel like the Holy Spirit's speaking to my heart for this year, for demonstrations of the Spirit. We had a demonstration already this morning when the Holy Spirit moved in this place during our worship time, and there were there was deliverance. There was there was a, an anointing here for people to receive freedom. That's a demonstration of the spirit, and I believe we're going to re- we're going to see more. But there's also the transformation that takes place, and it's not because of me or Pastor Steve or the praise team. It's because of the anointing that sets on the word of God. See, there's an anointing within you and there's an anointing that's upon you, but there's another anointing that comes upon you when you receive the word. And it goes into your heart and makes change. It makes a difference. That's why our church is New Life Church where everything changes. Yeah. Because it's not about us. It's not our abilities. We lean completely and entirely on the strength and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He does his job. I do my part, he does his part. And I lean completely on him to do his part right now because it's not my strength, it's not my knowledge, it's not what I can do, it's what he does here in and through each one of you. Amen, do you believe that? So I'm just trying to stir you up a little bit to be able to receive from the Holy Spirit, not from me. I'm just a vessel. I'm just like you know your shower if and hopefully you showered this morning. When that shower head came on, the water gushed down through it. Uh, it, it, it was just a conduit to bring you the water. Right. I'm just the conduit to bring you the water, the supply of the Spirit. Because there's a Holy Spirit on the inside of you if you've received Him. If you received Him as your Lord and Savior, and if the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you today, then there, that wellspring of life is already there. And I'm just trying to kind of nudge the water supply on the inside of you to bring out more of what's already there on the inside of you. Amen? So what I want to talk about, how many have made a New Year resolution? Yeah, some people do it, some people don't. Um, I used to do New Year's resolutions, and they usually usually were about food and exercise. How many (laughs) are there? And it's not a bad thing. I'm not coming against resolutions, but... What I have found in my own life is usually, and I have some statistics here, that in, within, uh, the end of, by the end of February, 86% of all resolutions are kaput. My husband came back from the gym a couple, well, it was probably a week ago, and he said, I hate January at the gym. <laughs> because everybody is at the gym, and it's, you have to wait on the machines and you know he's such a routine guy he'll get on there and want to do his routine and somebody stands there waiting to get on the machine and they look at him and say can I do it now and he's like I'm still I'm still up 
operating the machine. Can you see that I'm still here? So it's very frustrating. And you know, I, I was said, well, wait till the end of January, end of February, and it'll all be over. Because most people will not stick to it. So um, I do want to mention too one thing that, that the Holy Spirit has been really speaking to me in regards to our time together is our fellowship builds unity. You know, I was talking to to uh, we're raising our grandson, and I was talking to him uh, yesterday. We've kind of gotten off course. We homeschool, and and I have him do a Bible study in the mornings, even if it's just five minutes. I want him just to learn to put God first in his life. He's 10 years old. He can do five minutes, right? And so I I asked him yesterday, did you do your Bible study at all recently? And he goes, no. And I said, well, I'm not trying to bring you condemnation or make you feel bad, but I said, what would it be like? This is real poppy. Too close. What would it be like if me and Poppy and you lived in the same house and we never spoke to one another. And he said, that would be really sad. I said, well, God is here. He's, he's living on the inside of you and he's waiting to talk to you. He's waiting for you to talk to him. And, it, and he wants, I said, what, are we, what were we created for? And he said, fellowship. And he said, well, what, what is fellowship exactly? <laughs> so we looked it up in the dictionary just to had to have a little bit more of an accurate way to explain it to him. And when I looked it up, it says fellowship. And the spiritual content of fellowship is to build unity. The church is called to be united. Unity is having everything in common and being of the same mind. So Paul wrote in Ephesians 4 saying, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. So he was encouraged because I said, we want to make every effort to keep the unity in our house and the unity that you have with your relationship with the Lord just by spending some time. He just wants to talk to you. And that's partly what I want to talk to you about this morning is, you know, we're starting this new year fresh. Maybe you're excited about this new year. Maybe you've had a crazy last year and you're ready for some new things. I know probably all of us are. I don't ever like to look at the new year as a start over. I like to look at it as I'm going forward. I'm not having to start over. I've already gained enough uh, territory and ground for, with some things. I don't want to have to go back around that mountain again. I want to just keep moving forward. Amen? And so we're moving forward this year. Amen? New Life Church is moving forward. And so resolutions are okay, but I want to talk about maybe some solutions versus revo- resolutions. And our, our solutions come from the Word of God. So it takes 40 days to make a new habit, to create a new habit. And most people quit their resolution by 32 days. 32 days. So that's like, what, eight days shy of making a new habit. What a shame. <laughs> but it's, it's a fact. Supposedly it's a fact. So the top five 2023 resolutions are this. Exercise more. 52% of people. Is that you? Did you say yes? Exercise more. That would be me. Eat healthier, number two. And lose weight, number three. Now, look, all th- the top three are all about eating and exercise. <laughs> all about the physical aspect. Number four was save money, and number five was spend more time with family. And I thought, you know, it's really sad that our top five are all about just our physical and, and you know, money. And not there wasn't any content there about our spiritual. And, you know, we are, you understand that you are a spirit. Who you are is a spirit. You live in this body. This is your tent. 
and you have a mind, a will, an emotion. That's your soul, soulish realm. But who you really are is a spirit man. And most of the world is busy building up this tent. You can get online and find out how to dress it. You can get online and find out how to fix it, how to lift it, how to poke it, how to prod it, how to get rid of it, you know, some of the extra. There's so many things you can do to fix this outward man. But what are we doing with the inward man? And to me, the resolution that we need is how to fix what's on the inside. And of course, it's not really so much about fixing it. It's just about where you're residing, what you're coming to, and where you're going to, and whom you're getting your help from uh, is what's fixing the inside. Amen? So how many have a word for the year? Y'all can raise your hand. That's okay. <laughs> I'm not going to call on you unless you want to. So it, shout out your, your, is somebody, shout out your word for the year. Anybody? Passion. Anybody else have a word for the year? Resolute. I like that word. Resolute. Anybody else? A word for the year? I know probably a lot of you have like maybe a scripture for the year or a direction for the year. And I, I want to just stir you up a little bit. If you don't have anything uh, stirring on the inside, get one. Go to, go to your father and ask him, Lord, what is it that I need to set my faith on for this next year? What is it? Is this really noisy? I can use the other mic if I need to. So my, my word for the year, and it was actually before the year ended, is being more intentional. Intentional. This is very distracting. <laughs> this, this will be a good example for later. Um, my word is intentional. And some of the, the definitions for intentional is being deliberate, being purposeful, willfully, knowingly, consciously. Yeah, I can switch. And voluntarily. It's a super major distraction for me right now. Sorry, y'all. So this is my word for the year, intentional. I want to be more intentional with my walk with the Lord. I want to be more intentional with my, my fellowship with him, more intentional with my family, with our times together, because it's so easy to kind of come together and then just everybody on their you know, electronics or you're on the TV or whatever, they're all electronics, and life is just floating by and you're not spending that quality time together. Yes? Okay, give me the other. When I wear this thing, that's why I don't like to do it. Anyway, okay, so is that better? All right. Sorry, y'all. So let me get back. So my word is intentional. And uh, some of the things that the Lord's been speaking to my heart about specific areas, and, and maybe this will minister to you because I think probably all of us, I'm done. <laughs> Am I on? I can't do it, y'all. It's too distracting. And that's one of the things I want to talk about is distractions. Maybe you can help me with this. Unhook me. <laughs> I should have known. That's why I don't do this very often. One of the things the Lord's been speaking to me about specifically 
there's about four things. Is forgive faster. How many of us deal with unforgiveness? And the longer you allow it to stay in your life, the longer it's going to wreak havoc in your life. And it's going to create some major problems, some roots, cause bitter roots in your heart, which causes you to not be able to receive from the Holy Spirit, not be able to hear from Him as clearly. Uh, I've, I've experienced this myself. You come into church and something happens and all of a sudden you're mad. And you get here and you're trying to flow with the Spirit and there's like this wall, this block. You can't hear anything. That's unforgiveness. So forgiving faster and taking offense is slower. How many know that the bait of Satan is offense? And if he can get you to take the bait, he's got you where he wants you. You know, we did a study with the women uh, the Bait of Satan by John Bevere, and I, he said it, and I believe it. I think everybody should do that series at least a couple times a year to remind yourself that when offense presents itself, you don't have to take it. It's there for the taking, but you don't have to receive it. How many have understood that with offense, that when there's things in your life that somebody, and what is offense? You start to feel, well, somebody says, I'm not offended, I'm just hurt. Well, if you look up the definition of offense, hurt is in that definition. Hurt, uh, being upset, getting your feelings wounded, a heart that's wounded. You know, God hasn't, hasn't created a heart within us for it to be pushed around. We need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and allow, pray about the offense, but leave it at the altar. Let him deal with it. Amen? So don't take on the offense. And I like one thing that Keith Moore, he's one of the ministers that we're, we're under, he says this, never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, say never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever. feel sorry for yourself. Never feel sorry for yourself. The moment we start to feel sorry for ourselves, we go down a road of victim mentality and it takes us down. It's a slippery slope. It's a place where the enemy just keeps jabbing at us and getting at us in all sorts of areas. And then we have these offense lenses on that we see everything and hear everything out of offense and being a victim. And we're not hearing right. I've experienced this. We're not hearing right. We're not seeing right. It, it, the reality is not really real because the, those offense glasses and those ears are there. And so it's important that we are not feeling bad for ourselves. We don't have any reason to feel bad for ourselves. Amen? Amen. So, and then the other one is, the third one is be grace-based, not task-oriented. Be a Mary, not a Martha. Now, if you're like me, you don't know how to just be healed. <laughs> you're, you're a worker. You're a doer. You're a, I walk in the, in the house here, and I'm a visionary, so I start seeing what's wrong and what needs to be fixed. It's not that I'm negative. I'm just thinking, this needs to be changed. We can fix this. We can do this different because I want to make things better, right? But that can be a fault in our lives because we can start, that can start bleeding over into relationships. We can start thinking, well, they need to do this because they need to do that. And that's never going to happen until they do this. You see what I'm saying? And I want to just say this. Even the strongest of personalities and people have weaknesses, and deal with different things that we don't understand. We might think, well, this person is so strong, they never go through anything. They don't need any encouragement. They're good. They're good to go. But you know what? Every one of us need a touch from heaven. Every one of us need to be acknowledged. Every one of us need to receive kindness. Every one of us need the love of God in our lives. 
Amen? And that leads me to the next one, to speak the language of love. And I like uh, what um, uh, John Bevere was talking Tuesday in our ladies' Bible study. Ladies, we have Bible study every other week. It'll be next week on Tuesday at 6 o'clock. We're doing a series on hearing the voice of God. It's really amazing. And on Tuesday, this last Tuesday, he was asking his son, how many languages do you speak? He said, well, I speak two. He said, I speak in English, and I speak in, in another tongue, in my spiritual language. And he said, no, actually, you speak three languages. You speak in English, and some of y'all speak French, so I know you speak more than two or three. You're better than, than me, but, <laughs> but um, more educated. But he said, no, you, you have three languages. You have the language of English, you have the language of the spirit, and you have the language of your body. Your body has language. Your body speaks. It, it's important what, how your, your disposition is when someone's talking to you. Are you smiling? Are you frowning? Are you just turning your back on somebody? You know, I met, I met somebody yesterday, and I realized I was turned sideways, and I thought my body is saying something right now, and I don't mean for it to say that. It's Even now you're speaking with your body language right now. All you, some of y'all started smiling <laughs> just because I said that. But it's important what our language of our body, all right, is saying <laughs> um, to others. It's important, and, and it's accepting, and it's loving, and it's kindness, and that's God, that we're displaying the, the love of God to one another. Amen? How many need the love of God in your life? Amen. Amen. I know I do. And then um, I heard this story, and that's the reason why I wore these red shoes. I heard this story uh, of this um, older gentleman. He was, um, a he was a prison, a pastor of a prison in Nashville. And he was at church, and this lady shouted out to him and said, Hey, brother, so-and-so, uh, what can you tell me new today? And he said, Well, he's like 80 years old. He said, I'm, I'll tell you. He said, My mom always told me to be kind. He, she said, uh, To be kind to others, but also to always recognize and say something about that person that's good. And so he said, you know, I was at the prison the other day, and there's a woman there on, on death row. She, she's not going to get out of prison. She's a very heavy, dark. Uh, her demeanor is uh, very downcast. And probably, you know, with her life, she's probably dealt with a lot of hard things, hardships. And he said, I saw her coming down the, the hallway, and the Lord said, speak to her something and notice her. And he said, she came down. The, the aisle, and I, she had on these red Converse shoes. And he said, girl, he said, I love those red Converse shoes. And he said, you know, her demeanor was kind of gruff, not a lot of self-care, kind of heavy, you know, heavy. And she all of a sudden lit up and was so happy. And she said, yeah, I like these red shoes. And so this, this lady who had asked this man, she, is, she said, it made such an impression on my heart that everyone needs to be noticed. That, so she went out and bought a pair of little red Converse shoes and put them in a little box in her house to remember that every one of us needs to be noticed. Every person needs to have some kind of uh, acknowledgement. And that's one thing of our, uh, part of our heart with this church is that no one ever walks in here without being acknowledged. Because we are all important to God. Amen? Every one of us. We all are important to God, and he loves each and every one of us. And it's important that we're experiencing that love of God. So, so this scripture's been rolling around in my heart, and I wanted to share something uh, that I think is really important for us to kind of embrace for this new year. And it's found in Jeremiah 2, 
13. Uh, Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet, and he weeped over the people because the people were always in disobedience to God. Um, but Jeremiah 2.13 says, For my people have committed two evils. Uh, other translations say two sins. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, which cannot hold water. So there's two sins here. They've forgotten God, and number two, they've built cisterns that can't hold water. Now, cistern is not a real common word for us. I think it's an old English word. Um, and most of you probably know what it is, but it's instead of a well, uh, you know, they would they would travel a lot in that day, so they would have to dig their own wells so they would have a water supply. They didn't have water bottles like we do <laughs> now. Uh, they would dig their wells so they'd have a water supply, and so they would bring their own cisterns. They would build a, a place where they could supply water, but it always had a leak. It never held the water that they needed. And so the scripture is actually... Uh, referring to broken cisterns um, to enlighten us that there are areas in our lives that maybe we've built some cisterns. Some, and what this means is that it's, it's a supply of water or sustenance that we have built in and of our own strength to be able to maintain uh, the life that we need rather than going to God himself. You get what I'm saying? So there are broken cisterns. It's something you've built and looked for Maybe for comfort, for peace, um, some kind of sustenance other than God. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking about this with my own life. And I, I have a friend that is a family counselor, marriage counselor. And um, sometimes I'll call her and counsel. <laughs> or I'll just draw from her wisdom. And a few years back, it's been a while back, I called her and I was asking her about some things. And she said, Kim, when are you going to let go of the wheel? And I said, I can't because the car's going to crash if I do. <laughs> and so I realized now that I, I was leaning on my own cistern, something that I had built, thinking that my own ability could make something happen because I thought I could, I could do it. It could happen because of my strength. And, and I wasn't relying on the strength of the Holy Spirit. I was leaning on my own ability. I don't know what the cisterns might be in your life. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a financial thing. I don't know. Maybe it's some relational thing. You know, a lot of times um, we, married or not married, will depend on the spouse to be that cistern for us. We want them to bring uh, happiness and strength and support and or, or wanting that if we're single. We want it in a spouse. Um, and sometimes it can be an unhealthy thing even if you are married. You, I wanna just say this, no one else is responsible for your happiness except you and the Holy Spirit. You're not gonna get joy out of somebody else if you don't have joy in and of your own self from the presence of the Lord. It's not my responsibility I say this very carefully, to make my husband happy. Although I do what I do to help him be happy, I assist him to be happy, but it's an honor to make him happy, and it's a part of being married to him to help him be happy. But his first and foremost wellspring has to come from the presence of the Lord. If he's not getting it from the presence of the Lord, I can't do it for him. And that's what there's a lot of problems with marriages because you're trying to fix things with your 
spouse or trying to make them make you happy. And that presence of the Holy Spirit is the only thing that can make you happy and make you feel fulfilled. Amen? Nothing in this life or in this world is going to fill that void in your life except the Holy Ghost. And I'm just going to say, we can get on a platform of getting mad about things and trying to make things change. I know for a long time, probably one of my sisters was to make sure my kids serve the Lord. My kids are going to serve the Lord. They were raised in church. They're going to serve the Lord. Well, the Holy Spirit spoke to me one day and said, that is not your job to make them serve me. That is my job. The Holy Spirit is the one who draws men unto them. My job is just to pray. I just get in the place of prayer, and that is the best and most operative place I can be in. That's the place of grace. The grace of God, we know what it is. It's the unmerited favor of God. It's not something that I've gained because of something I've done. It's not earned. It's just received because of the blood of Jesus. We've been singing about it. The grace of God is what enables me to do what I need to do, to stay in my place. And there's grace for every day. And don't try to operate out of today's grace by looking at tomorrow. And you're focusing on next week and what's going to happen next week. My place of grace is for this hour. And when I stay in this place, there is a rest and there is a hope. And we talked about Hope Tuesday, that the world's hope is just maybe it will and maybe it won't. But the hope of the Holy Spirit is a confident expectation. I have a confident expectation. I have a hope in the Holy One. I have a hope in the Holy Ghost on the inside of my son that he's going to do what God's called him to do. That's where my faith has lied. And, the, and it will stay. I released it to him. When you release things to God and let God be God in people's lives, it's so much easier. If you just stay in that place of prayer, what does it say about prayer? It says, you know, to not be anxious or fretful, but in everything, we, we bring it to prayer. We bring it to him. And with thanksgiving, we offer up our prayers. And he hears our prayers that way. Amen? Too many times we're toiling we're wrought up. You know what I mean when I say wrought up? We're wrought up on the inside because we're trying to fix stuff in our lives or fix stuff in our family's lives or fix our finances or, or, or even the political world. We can get into too much social stuff and get wrought up about what's happening. It's not my job to fix that. It's my job to pray. And if I stay in that place of prayer, then I can roll my works on him. And he will cause my thoughts to come in line with his word. That's what the word of God says. Roll your works upon him and he will cause your thoughts to come in line with his word and his will. Amen? Amen. Maybe it's, uh, uh, you know, I thought about this a lot of times with ministry. And all of us are called to some kind of ministry, uh, sharing the love of Jesus. But sometimes ministry can be a God in and of itself. And you might want things to be a certain way. And, you know, going through the years of, of ministry and it just becomes a big thing. Well, someday this is going to happen. Someday I'm going to have this. And you know what? You've got to, that can be a cistern. You've got to give it to God and He has to become your supply. He has to become your sustenance. And when you get that supply from Him, then He makes everything work out the way it needs to be. 
So the cisterns, they cannot give life. You may trust and believe that, that they can, but they will not sustain you. Uh, the use for a broken cistern, what, you know what they used to use broken cisterns for? They were tombs. They buried men in them. Wow. Wow. So what consumes your mind will control your life. Be careful that what's consuming you doesn't become a cistern. And it almost kind of becomes an altar where it becomes a God. Because if it's, if it's getting more magnification in your life than God is, then it has become a little God in your life. Amen? You get what I'm saying here? We can't be consumed with what we're trying to make happen in our lives. It becomes an altar. It becomes a God. He deserves the glory. He deserves the honor. He deserves the praise. No thing that I'm going through deserves so much praise. I like what Hunter said. He said that nothing that I'm going through is going to get more magnification than the blood of Jesus and what he did for me on the cross. The sacrifice that he made. No, no thing that I'm going through in my body is going to get more magnification than what Jesus did because he paid the price so we could be free. Even religions of men have become a cistern. People thinking that they've got to do this and do this to be right with God. Jesus did it for us. He did it for us. And so because of the blood, we can come boldly before the throne of grace in our time of need and say, God, here I am. I need your grace. I need your mercy today. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So one thing that I noticed with cisterns is I was reading about cisterns and wells and the differences. Cisterns are dependent on the leftover rains, the falling rains, the, the runoff rains for its supply of water. A well is dependent on what comes up from within. Think about that. If you have built a cistern, it's coming from without. It's coming from the outside. Uh, uh, did I say it right, cistern? Yeah. The well, the well of life. Jesus is the river, the well of life, the, the life that we need. It comes from him, and he is the living water, and that well is within each and every one of us. So what is my solution? John 4, 9, you guys know where I'm going with this probably. I drink from the water of life. Not from the cup of this life. There's a scripture in Isaiah. It refers to drinking from a cup of this life and how it intoxicates you. And you become so intoxicated with the cares and the worries of this life that you can't drink from the living water. And he wants us to drink from the living water. He, he became that water for us so that we wouldn't have to carry the burdens of this life. So John 4, 9 through 10, and then 13 through 15, this is a Samaritan woman. She said to Jesus, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, a woman, a Samaritan and a woman, two, two things that she was astounded by because they weren't supposed to talk to the Samaritans, and she was a woman for this drink. For the Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you'd only known, if you'd only known and recognized God's gift and who this is that is saying, you give me a drink, you would have asked him instead and he would have given you living water. I want to just say, if only you had known what's available to you today. Can you perceive it? Do you not know it? 
that he is here, that he is on the inside of you, that there's a well on the inside of you that you can draw from. You don't have to carry anything today. Let the river of life flow from the inside of you and bring healing, bring restoration, bring deliverance, bring redemption to whatever it is that you've been carrying. That river of life will take care of it. Amen? Amen. Jesus answered her and said, all who drink of this water, all, not just some, all who drink of this water that I will give him will never, no, never be thirsty ever again anymore. But the water that I will give him shall become a spring of water, welling up, flowing, bubbling continually. Listen to what it says. Within him, me. That water is flowing on the inside of me for eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I may never get thirsty nor have to come continually all this way here to drink or to draw. He said that river, that, that well is on the inside of you. You don't have to go anywhere to get it. You will never thirst again because it's right there. You don't have to build a cistern that's just going to leak out. The Holy Ghost is on the inside to bring a supply of the Spirit to your life today. Yes. Amen. Amen. He's here. He's here. He's here. Do you not know it? Do you not perceive it? That he's doing a new thing on the inside of you. And if you'll just acknowledge the Holy Ghost is here and his presence is prevailing over everything that you might be dealing with. He's greater. He's bigger. He's stronger. And he's made you more than a conqueror. We're not trying to get it. We've already got it. Jesus is the only will that will satisfy and sustain us. Amen? So what is, what is my solution? Forget the past. Only look to the past to see the blessings like I was saying earlier. Discern and reach for the future. Your future is going to require discernment. I was uh, reading... How many know who Rick Renner is? He's a Greek scholar. He's a great pastor, apostle. They pastor over in uh, Russia. At, well, they, more than Russia, more a couple places. Anyway, they're friends of ours. But he was saying how he was in an airplane and looking out the window, and it was like the Lord removed this veil, and he could see over the lands like this, this black, billowing smoke just covering the earth. And he knew in his spirit that that was demonic forces and that we were facing a time when the forces of the enemy were getting to be stronger because he knows his time is short, because the time is at hand for the second coming of the king. And so, of course, the enemy is going to, he's going to draw up more forces and try to cause more distractions, just like that silly microphone, and get us focused on other things instead of what is in front of us and what we have on the inside of us. Right. Amen? Amen? If you only knew what you're carrying on the inside, you could change the world forever. Amen. If you only acknowledge what's on the inside of you and have a realization of the power of the Holy Ghost that's in your tongue, yes. you could make a difference where you live, right. in your own life, yes. in your own finances, in your own body. Yes. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not saying sometimes things are not instantaneous. Sometimes it's a process. It's like, you know, the difference between a healing and a miracle. A miracle is instant. We prayed for a lady one time. Her leg, she had back pain, and I felt like her leg needed to grow out. We sat her down, and her leg was this much off. 
And in front of our eyes, her leg grew out. That was a miracle. But a healing is just like if you cut your hand and it's, there's a scab and there's bleeding. It takes time for that to heal. There's a little bit of a healing process. Sometimes there's a healing process going on on the inside. And we let go of it and we get our eyes fixed on the bleeding and the scab instead of realizing there's a healing going on and thanking God in the midst of it and keeping our mouths lined up with what the word of God says in our lives. Amen? That was just extra. So don't stay stagnant in your purpose. You know, did you have, do you have that picture of the pool? Can you show that picture of that cistern? The thing about a cistern is the waters are there, but there's no flow, there's no life. And so the waters become stagnant and they become uh, gross. There it is. See how gross that is? Would you want to drink from that? <laughs> Would you want that to be your sustaining life force? No. So Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 says, Do not earnestly remember the former things. Neither consider the things of the old or the past. Don't remember the past. Don't even remember it. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it and know it? And will you not give heed to it? This just means pay close attention. Be mindful of the new thing that I'm doing. Have eyes to see, ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in your life in this hour. Don't receive this is just the same old Monday, 2022, 2023. Say out of your mouth, I'm going to have something new in this year. This is my season. This is my hour. I am anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, and I'm going to see a change and a difference in my life. Amen. Amen? Amen. Don't give up on God. He's not giving up on you. Right. Amen. So the springing forth is within us, but it's not just to help us, it's, it's to help others. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. We're not just um, consumers, we're distributors. We're not just consumers of the well, or the water of life, we're distributors of that water. And a lot of times we get really caught up in just being consumer. We don't get past how we need to be giving it out and distributing it to others. Amen? So that's just a little... Snippet there. So to experience change, something is required. Change. You can't do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, unless you're in faith over something. Faith is repeating and staying in that place of faith. You have to stay in that place. But sometimes God will direct you to do something different. There's some, some changes that are required. You know, Brayden was saying, uh, I've been praying and asking God for some things I haven't seen it yet. And he's a little bit discouraged. You know, he's at the age where he's starting to have some realization of things. And I said, well, I said, the thing is, is we don't give up on our faith. We have a confident expectation that the Holy Spirit is working. We may not be able to see it, feel it, or hear it, but we know he's moving on our behalf. But the other thing is there's God's part and there's also my part. Maybe God's telling us to do something different. Maybe we need to abandon something. Maybe we need to cut off something. Maybe we need to, there's a pruning that needs to take place. Maybe there's a, a, a stepping up. Maybe there's a fast time. Maybe there's, which we're getting ready to do. Maybe there's something that he's called you to do, and he's waiting on you to obey him because obedience is better than sacrifice. And when we obey him, it opens a door. It opens a road to keep, keep going forward. And so he's just waiting. There's our part. There's God's part. 
When you came to Jesus and asked him as your, to be your Lord and Savior, there was your part. You didn't just go, hmm. It, no, it says confess the Lord as your Savior. Amen? Confess him. I take you as my Lord and my Savior. Be my God. Amen? So there's a part that I play and there's a part that God plays. And so every day it's like we're, we're, we're in full expectation, confident expectation. But I'm going to tell you, a lot of times when we don't receive something from the Lord, it's because we've, we've gotten into strife and we've let go of what the Word is, has been ministering to us and what we've been trying to, to uh, what we need to obey in our hearts. Amen? A lot of times when we are not seeing some things, we've let go and we've slipped over. And strife is not just uh, socially. Strife can be in your mind. You can be in strife just in your thinking towards things. Um, that if you do a little word study on that word strife in James, um, when there's strife, it says every evil work abounds. Where there is strife, every evil work abounds. And it's not just, you know, I'm mad at you, you're mad at me. You can be thinking things. Well, that's in the word. It, it talks about, you know, a man can think something and commit something just by his thinking. And so we can be in strife towards one another just by our thinking. So we have to cast down those vain imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, and bring it into surrender to who he is. I can't do it without the Holy Ghost. How about you? Come on. Can you do it without the Holy Spirit? Can I get some help? Can you do this without the Holy Ghost? We need his help. He's called our helper. Amen? So the Holy Spirit is trying to take us to a place where God can use us and expand the territory around us. But when we're resistant to change, we're resistant to sacrifice, we're resistant to the pruning process, we want the comfort zone instead of the sacrifice zone to get where we want to be. We continue in that stagnant place, feeling somewhat comfortable in our flesh, but frustrated in our spirits. The Lord spoke that to me yesterday when I was driving. And he said, the problem is a lot of people want to hang on to certain things. They don't want to get out of their comfort zone. God's calling us to step up and go into new places. And God's more concerned about your calling than your comfort. He's more concerned about your calling than your comfort. And we know the scripture says that the spirit and the flesh, they war against one another. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And when our flesh is saying, demanding, I want it this way. This is my desire. And the Holy Ghost says, I want you to let go of that for a little while. I want you to step into this and do something else. And it's going to be uncomfortable. You know why? Because every time we step into a new season in him, it's requiring something else besides your own ability. It's requiring something else in me to stand up here and talk to you right now. It is not my own ability. It is his ability. When we are weak, he is strong. If I feel confident and strong in what I'm doing, then I'm doing it in and of my own flesh, and that's not a sacrifice. My life should be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. And that means it's going to bring me some discomfort. I just want to say, if you're comfortable, maybe it's time for you to step up. If you're comfortable in your flesh, and you feel okay where you are, then maybe it's time for change. It becomes a cistern, what we want, what we feel, what we think we know, 
What we think we know, I'm going to say it again, what you think you know becomes a cistern. Knowledge puffeth up. Even the knowledge of the word of God can puff us up. We have to be really careful, folks. We can slip into spiritual pride really quick. We have to stay humble before him and have an understanding that we need the Holy Spirit to direct us. We've got to have the Lord speaking into our lives. We have to be accountable. Accountability is not a real popular word nowadays. I, I, I want to encourage parents. Kids don't have a choice when they live in your home. They have to abide by your rules and what you ask. And if you're making provision for them, then they need to do what you've asked them to do respectfully. I'll just leave it at that. Change looks scary because change is not comfortable. Our desires are exalted or preferred above his desires for us. The devil convinces us that we are inadequate, incapable, and simply unable for this change. So we give up and we say, it must not be God. It must not be God's will because this is too uncomfortable. Surely God wouldn't make me uncomfortable in my new season. When we moved here, we were on staff at a large church with a pretty good sizable income and money going into 401k and my parking space, my friends and my house and my this and my that and titles. And God said, go to Texas and start a church. Plop, there you go. <laughs> no support, no job. Only had our family, which that was wonderful. And I'm just gonna tell you, it has not been comfortable. I don't know that I've found a comfortable place yet <laughs> in this, because my trust is completely in him. My trust is completely and wholly in him and everything that we do. And I can say, why this God? What about me, God? Why did this happen, God? I've done these things for you all these years for you, God. Why not me, God? And when you get into the whys and the questioning and the doubting, you're in a dangerous zone. When you experience loss and you say, why? You have to trust him. You have to trust him. Because all those questions they're going to do are take you down a road that is not productive and not fruitful, and it is further away from your purpose. Everything that you're going through right now has purpose. I'm not saying that it's all God doing it. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But in the midst of the killing, stealing, and destroying, like my husband said last week, if you're going through hell, keep going. Don't stop there. Right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he is with me. His rod and his staff comforts me because he's preparing a place before me in the presence of my enemies. He's anointed my head 
with oil, the anointing. My cup runs over. He's a good God, and he loves his children. He loves his children, and he is waiting to show himself strong to you. I'm just encouraging you, let go of the systems, let go of those things that you think are bringing you comfort and stability and security, and find your comfort and stability and security in him, and him alone, and then he'll bring those things that you're desirous of. Amen? Most often when we are, are let go of, we're letting, to, we're to let go of one season and step into another, it will bring discomfort and cause us to question ourselves. This is the perfect place to be because when we walk in new levels with God, we have to let go of our own strength and completely walk in his. So how many remember Indiana Jones? Y'all remember that? Can they show that really quick? I have just like a one minute clip. I want y'all to see this clip. I want to remind you of what happened when he was facing an impossible situation and he had to get to the other side to get some medicine to his dad so his dad wouldn't die. You guys remember that? The cup. You had to get to the cup. You guys remember that? Ready? Jeremy said, it's impossible. And you must hurry. leap of faith. That's what this is called. The thing is, he didn't see it because it was blending in with the wall. But the moment he put his foot out there, it was there. And that's what some of y'all need to be doing. You need to be stepping out. Because you, you may not be able to see what's ahead of you, but God's got this. He's got this. Do you trust him? Do you lean on him? And I want to give you this, 2 Corinthians 12.10. I like it in the Passion Translation. I think I put both of them up, but the passion is my favorite. It says, so I'm not defeated by my weakness. Some of us can feel very defeated in our weaknesses, in our inabilities. We're looking at what we can't do instead of what we can. But I'm delighted for when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. And that's the scripture. It says, in my weakness, he is strong. It becomes a portal to his power. I've stepped out of the natural into the supernatural. I'm no longer just a natural man. I'm a pneuma man. A pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. It means a spirit man. I'm a speaking spirit. 
And I'm speaking things into existence because I'm a spirit man because that's what God did. He spoke the world into being with his voice, with his breath, and he breathed that life into man and he gave, up, gave it to us. And he said, go and multiply and do likewise. And so we're to do the same thing with the word of God. We're speaking spirits. What do you need to be speaking into existence in your life? What you're living today is what you were speaking yesterday. Speak life. Draw from that well. Draw from the inside of you, the river of life that's on the inside, and bring the change that's needed for your life, for your family. Let me say this to you. Self-evaluation in the presence of faith is productive. We need to have self-evaluation in the presence of faith. After we've prayed in the Spirit, after we've been in the Word, let the Word of God, it says that the Word is like a sword. It divides between soul and spirit. It'll let you know what's right and what's wrong. In, this, in the presence of faith, it's productive. But self-evaluation apart from faith is condemnation. And that is demonic. If you're experiencing condemnation, that is not from God. And I encourage you to get into the presence of the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do I need to change? What do I need to do? And he'll probably just tell you, oh, you can do all things through Christ. He gives you strength. The greater one's on the inside. You're the head, not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You're blessed coming in and going out. The favor of God is all over your life. So Proverbs 4.23, I'm, I'm ending. So above all, which means the most important thing here, is guard the affections of your heart. Where is your heart set? Set Colossians says, set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth. Set your affections on him, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, your spirit. For from there flows the wellspring of life. Let me just say, you have a wellspring of life on the inside, but it can be tainted by what you've been meditating on. If you allow things on the inside of you that are not from God, that condemnation, that junk that comes in and taints your waters, it'll affect your heart. It'll affect the outflow of your life. So avoid, and then it goes on to talk about our speech. Avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. Be free from using perverse words no matter what. It's not okay to speak perverse words. It's not okay. Set your gaze because it, it taints your waters. Set your gaze on your path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, ignoring the microphone popping in your face, ignoring the distractions of life. Watch where you're going. Stick to the path of truth, and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment and take the tour that leads to darkness. There is an enemy. You have an enemy that is going to try to get you off course, it's going to try to distract and entangle you with things that are not from the Holy Ghost. And the more you're built up, the more you hear his voice, the quicker you will to recognize those things, the quicker. And you have people around you to speak into your life and pastors who love you and care about you to be able to say, well, I don't know about that. Be open to hearing from your covering. Amen? Be open to hearing. And we're here to help you. But we have to have vision to recognize that. We have to have eyes to see. Ephesians talks about having eyes to see. Eyes to see in the spirit. And, and let me just leave you with this, because I, I felt like this bore witness with my heart. Uh, there's a pastor up in um, Tulsa that uh, wrote this, and I, I was reading it, and I thought, man, that, that, I think this is a universal thing with the churches right now. But he said, I had a vision recently of multiple believers facing their own wrestling matches, 
almost like a high school wrestling tournament spread across the gym, but they weren't battling against the devil or his demons. Rather, these matches were between them and God, like the story of Jacob. God was wrestling with the hearts of the strong, but also stubborn men and women of God. He was lovingly trying to get them to tap out and succumb to humility concerning whatever their issue was they felt so strong about holding on to. Remember, God humbles the proud, but the, he exalts those who humble themselves. Oftentimes, I realize the only way to win spiritually is to surrender to a spirit of humility. The church needs to regain a spirit of humility. We have taken on the spirit of the world, which is total opposite of the spirit of humility. I don't know. The more I know him, the more I understand the word, the less I realize I know. Never think you have arrived. Never think you know everything. Never feel like you don't need impartations from the Spirit. We all need it. That's why we go periodically to sit under meetings. We sit under our mentors. We have people speaking to our life. We have to have it. We have to have that accountability. Humility can look like admitting you need help with something and asking someone or a group to help you, apologizing and truly needing it, even if you feel like the other person owes it to you. Going down to the altar call at church takes humility to come down. Thank you. Asking someone to pray for you. Reaching out with a kind text or a call when you'd rather them reach out to you. Forgiving even when they haven't fully apologized. Going back to church, choosing to hold your tongue when you have a lot to say, but it's not kind. Admitting you could have handled the situation better even though they also didn't handle it the best. Initiating conversations even if you feel it's their job to do it. So often, spiritual pride keeps people in a longer wrestling match with God than it is necessary. Surrender. I, I feel like the Holy Spirit said also this. Give yourself permission to forgive yourself and move on for your past. Start this year without any cisterns and let him be the wellspring within you that brings the life that you need for sustenance day to day. Amen. Let's bow our heads.